I'm DJ Flight and you're listening to a special edition of a Sun and Bass podcast. Sun and Bass meets EQ50 part two, a follow-up to a talk that we did last year at the Sun and Bass Festival, Sun Diodoro. Big shout to Martina, Stefano, everyone at the Marcus Intellect Music Foundation, everyone at Sun and Bass. People who came and chilled and listened to us, thanks for coming down. Yeah, so this is a follow-up and basically it's kind of a 2020 in review chat i guess i just want to find out how you've been coping this year obviously we'll talk about specific points in general as well it's been a very tumultuous year i think we can all agree on that i'm quite happy to have made it through it (laughs) it's been pretty tough at times i know everybody has had tough moments there's six of us in the group at the moment i'll introduce each of you so starting from my top left reed speed is joining us from the us how are you doing reed I'm good. I'm happy to be here with you guys again. Missing the sun and base. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, below Reed on my screen, not that people can see it, is Philo. How are you doing, Philo? Joining us from Germany? Yeah, really fine. My last days of work uh, coming on, but yeah, really looking forward to have some holidays. <laughs> yes. I couldn't wait to finish on Friday, honestly. <laughs> the last week was really hard. Um, Sweet Pea is with us. Hello. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just about to start my last week of work. I did the dreaded Christmas food shop today, but yeah, went well. Got some mince pies, so I'm happy. <laughs> uh, Ali Cat is here. Hello. What's happening? I'm fine. I um, yeah, I obviously wasn't at the Sun and Bass thing last year. My dad died that month, and I didn't. Yeah, I didn't make it. So I'm happy to kind of join in now. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I mean, like I said, there's loads to talk about. Like absolutely fucking shit loads. Excuse my language. Has happened this year. Uh, Boo, Chickaboo is here. Hey, hey. How you doing? I'm doing great, thank you very much. I'm um, just recovering from an excellent rupture stream and um, it's going good. I'm sorry I couldn't make that last night, but I was wiped out, absolutely wiped out. Um, and we've just been joined by Mantra. Woo! You didn't have a fringe last time I saw you. I do. I can't tell if I look chic or like a little school kid. I'm not sure what uh, oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go for chic. Yeah, French chic. That's yes, the look. It was rather cute last night, but it's chic today. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. I guess the main thing to talk about first is the coronavirus pandemic, which is the reason we're all chatting via Zoom. I'm going to start with you, Sweet Pea, because you work for the NHS, and I know you've chatted about it on podcasts and on radio and stuff, but in case some of the other members of this group here didn't know that, Talk about how it was when it first was kind of, I don't even want to use the term kicking off, but (laughs) how was it at work? How did you get through that? I know you worked on a COVID ward as well. Yeah, so my day job is um, like I'm a play therapist for children that come to hospital. We sort of just help them and their families get through procedures, through play. You know, I didn't have to. It was optional, but yeah, I went to go and work on the COVID wards did my bit to help out basically it was weird it was I think it was just weird for everybody but I think the worst part of it at work was just the not knowing when it first kicked off no one knew what it was or what was going to happen and it was very much you sort of dealt with it day by day like the managers didn't know what was happening and it you know we kind of were working week by week 
it, it was really difficult right at the beginning just obviously from what the you know, the TV and the media was saying, you know, seeing all, all kinds of pictures of people dying, obviously hit Italy really bad. And um, yeah, it's just that not knowing and you didn't realise what was coming. So, um, you know, luckily got a really solid crew at work. We've all had our kind of dips, but I think it's been really helpful and beneficial for me to have that sort of stable, good friends at work. That's really, really helped. As for now, we still do have COVID wards, but it's a lot more manageable now. I think it was nice to see just how amazing and how much of a rock the NHS is, because obviously we had the extra uh, Nightingale built and the hospitals were able to deal with it. And I just think it sort of goes to show how resilient our health system and important and how strong it is. I'm back doing what I was before, uh, the, you know, more of the playwork stuff. So it's been nice to kind of get back to my job. But obviously now everything's got to be socially distanced and the kind of anxiety you deal with now is different to what I was dealing with before. You know, you'd have sort of anxious parents because their children are about to have, you know, some really important surgery. And now you've kind of dealing with people that are sort of anxious to come out because of the virus and also heightened emotions you know a lot of us in my department have got it in the neck been verbally abused and things like that and it's been interesting but at the same time I've still been working so I can't really you know there's it's it's that kind of grass is always greener isn't it a lot of my friends are out of work lost their jobs been made redundant and although i envied all the furlough crew right at the beginning I'm actually quite grateful to have kept working um, and been able to go out to work as well that's been the important thing like I think I would go mental stuck in my house um, <laughs> so, so yeah I almost did sorry to interrupt yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely feel better about things this end of the year than I did at the beginning April considering it was my birthday as well in April. April was a very difficult month. Not much of a crier, but I cried a lot at absolutely everything. But I'd say the rest of the year has been pretty steady emotionally. I had a little bit of a dip maybe last month, but been okay, really. Just been good to have good people around and be busy. You know, you know, like how... And uh, obviously, Boo and, and Mantra, how busy it's been this year, EQ50 wise with the mentorship and stuff. But that's kind of saved me a little bit, keeping busy and having things to do as well. Mm. I think for me, it could have been a lot worse than it has. It's actually been okay. Yeah, in the grand scheme of things. Right. I was going to ask, like, obviously, you were mentioning having a good support network at your workplace, like you get on with your colleagues, um, good friends and stuff like that. I was going to ask whether you realised it had much of a, an effect on your mental health at the time, because obviously working full time, you kind of use your gigs and weekends to like go out and kind of let off steam, as do many, many people like ravers, clubbers. Um, so how did you deal with that aspect being taken away? Um, I kind of found myself to be a bit more productive. If I'm honest, i in a weird way enjoyed the sort of slowdown and the rest don't get me wrong I really miss going out I've had a couple of opportunities where I've been able to record a stream recording or in-store 
gig with Discworld the other day. So I've had a few little opportunities to go out and listen to some music, which has been, you know, I kind of feel a bit refreshed the next day. You know, I haven't really slept very much, but, you know, just buzzing to see people. And it, I guess in that way, goes to show how important music and people are. I've definitely missed it, but I have enjoyed just having the rest and doing some wholesome shit like going for bike rides and cooking dinner and watching films and wine and stuff, you know. So that side of it has been really, really nice. I've been able to write more music as well. Like it didn't get a look in before just because I was so busy gigging you know weekends trying to have a social life it yeah probably didn't do as much as I could have before but yeah I've been able to have a weekend of just writing tunes and stuff like that so yeah I don't know maybe it's me seeing the good (laughs) trying to make the best of a bad situation I don't know but yeah don't get me wrong I miss I do miss going out my liver probably doesn't miss it um but (laughs) but um yeah I've had quite a productive year and it's been nice to sort of rest well yeah us Londoners have just been placed into tier four which means that we basically can't do anything. (laughs) (laughs) We've been on that since March. We never left that. We went into lockdown in March and we're still there. How has that been over there? Because I want to ask Philo as well, because I've seen like over the last few days with Angela Merkel making speeches and stuff and cases are rising again. How have you both, we'll start with you, Reid. How have things been over your side from what you've seen, like personally, because I know both of you have been um, doing live streams and pre-recorded streams and read your label has still been releasing music quite regularly. Tell me a little bit about what you've been doing. For me personally, it's been the strangest year. I took a job. I do, um, I'm on a team that is monetizing DJ mixes at Apple for streaming, like for the first time in the history of streaming that we're actually properly monetizing DJ mixes. So I ended up taking this job like on a lark at the end of 2019. And then immediately the whole industry collapsed. And I feel incredibly grateful, lucky. I was like unscathed by the entire pandemic. Like I just went from taking this job, feeling like it was going to be really stressful trying to keep up DJing and having a full-time job because I've never had, I've only done DJing prior to this for my entire life. Like my last job was in a record store, but the job is amazing. Like I'm doing DJ related stuff every day. I work on DJ mixes every day. We're like, it's figuring out really cool stuff. And then, yeah, I just started doing the live streams. I was already live streaming before the pandemic started. So for me, it's just like, oh, it's a fun thing to do on the weekends. But Again, like Natasha was saying, like, it's actually been nice to not have the pressure that you have to go out, that you have to go do all these things. You have to shout at each other over the music all the time. And everyone's getting, getting drunk and getting sick. And like, you're flying around through time zones. It's like, oh no, I can just like have a weekend and like write music and go on a bike ride and like be healthy. I have a sleep schedule now. I have a routine. Like I've never known stability in my entire adult life. And it was, it's been amazing to just have had this, this year. But then on the flip side of that, the world has gone mad. Our country has lost it. People here do not take it seriously. The fact that half of our country decided that wearing a mask is some kind of a political issue and they're about their stupid ass freedoms. Like people here are so stupid and our country is literally collapsing as a result of the way people have behaved 
through this pandemic, the reason that we're still mired in cases and hell is because people are not taking it seriously. And it's just sad. It's so sad to think that this is the way that our country is literally going to be the collapse of America happened because people didn't want to wear a mask to protect each other from a raging pandemic. Like I can't, it's just terrible, but that that's where we're at. Like I said, Los Angeles went into lockdown in March. I got sent home from work March 12th, mm. played my last gig March 12th. And they, they, they kind of opened a little bit of things for like a week, a month, maybe nothing shut down. Cases, ICUs at record. We have no beds left. Everyone's sick. It's just terrible. Like, it's crazy times. Mm-hmm. You guys are lucky that people take it seriously, that at least where where you live, people don't think it's a problem to wear a mask. And, like, they understand. Maybe they don't really understand because in a lot of countries, the governments have given very conflicting and poor advice about what to do. And one time it's don't wear a mask, but they don't explain. It's because they're in short supply for the medical people. Like, they just didn't explain it. Mm. Yeah, we had that here as well, like especially right near the beginning. And they kind of taken their time to um, order new uh, PPE and stuff. Yeah, I think the US and the UK have been pretty similar the whole way through the way it's been mismanaged by our governments. Um, Philo, what about your side of things? Uh, so we had also the lockdown uh, starting in March. And I think uh, in the beginning of June, everything got a bit easier and we could do sports again, open air stuff and so on. And I think this was the big mistake that everybody felt safe and cool again. And yeah, now it hits harder than before because we have the rate or the, the, the high of the deaths doesn't uh, go down. So uh, yeah, this is a big problem. And since beginning of November, we have a hard lockdown. Before it was a light lockdown, still eat in restaurants and so on. But uh, yeah, now everything is closed again. And the funny thing is, I don't know how it is in UK and also in the US, but uh, here a lot of people really want to celebrate Christmas with the whole family. So we had the big discussion to um, regulate the amount of people uh, to like 10 or 15, but only between Christmas and New Year's Eve. This is so weird again, because before we are only allowed to be like five people or even less and it's like oh COVID isn't happening between Christmas and New Year's Eve this is very weird and I can't take this regulation seriously because we all know that this is gonna be horrible in January if everybody's seeing like 10, 15 people or also count if you have five people coming from different cities and so on. This is just ridiculous. And we also have another big problem with conspiracy theorists. I don't know if you heard about it, but this started in Berlin uh, with big demonstrations and so on. Germany is very... I would say dedicated for this kind of weird theories and with COVID everything got worse, totally crazy. And even 
if you would say the normal hippies like a bit more earth and I don't know what <laughs> changed to very difficult opinions regarding all the COVID regulations and yeah this is very hard to hear if you see that so many people are dying or also are losing their jobs and there's somebody say singing singing for freedom and say yeah we don't need masks it's just ridiculous right right chickaboo yes <laughs> you, i know you've been very busy of recent yeah i have i've actually um had like a fantastic year really busy i've had sort of I think I've probably done more gigs in this year than I did the year before, weirdly. Even though they're a bit different now, streaming things. Sweet Pea and I recorded a track together in the middle of a heat wave in our bras and pants. That was good, <laughs> that session. Um, so I've had a couple of releases as well, house music tracks released, selling property, buying property, renovating property, I've also had to move out of music and go back to my old job that I used to have before. Um, 20 years ago, I used to be a decorator. And so I've gone back into doing that and learning new skills and stuff. And so I've had to just adapt out of music. Music is now more of a hobby than a money-making career that's you know, can sustain my lifestyle. So I've relocated as well. So yeah, I've had to adapt a lot about my life mm. and lifestyle and earnings and things but I find I've willingly adapted and so therefore it's been quite successful for me mentally I've sort of held it together I was in a lockdown on my own as well the first time that was pretty hard but I found that um, I started exercising every day and drinking green juices and was on my phone more than I've ever been before Yeah, I found it really a really productive year for me, like a real reset and a real hard look at what I'm doing with my career. You know, is it a career? Is it a hobby? What do I want to do next? So I haven't made any big mm. decisions musically, but I'm very, really grateful. Like I say, I've had an all right year. I'm in London. I can't leave London at night time. So I have to stay and travel in the daytime back to my house where I'm just there on my own. I don't live with anybody else as I'm renovating it. It's just an empty house. So I think it's okay for me to do that, but I can't move at nighttime. Apparently, if you travel after midnight, you're at risk of being arrested, I heard. Yeah, I think it's like that now since midnight, night maybe. I can't leave the city, which is really weird and really dystopian. You know, the fact that the virus knows what time it is, is weird to me. <laughs> and it also knows the date as well. It knows when to, when to come for us. If you're in a bar, it will get you. But if you're in a restaurant, it won't. If you're walking down the street... Don't worry, we're going to have our superpowers yeah, tomorrow. If you're walking down the street, it will get you. But if you're at work, it won't. But if you're walking to work, it can get you. Um, you can be on a packed train and everything, that's fine because you're going to work, but we can't be in a room playing music. So, yeah, the thing itself is serious, but I think the reaction to the thing um, by the authorities and just how unclear it is, 
it's good for people that have money that can afford to pay other people to put their lives in danger to work for them basically mm. there's a lot yeah. of furloughed people that are quite well off that are paying you know still their cleaners and their nannies and their drivers and everybody else has to go to work to keep the system running for the people with money it kind of seems like that so yeah, 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 yeah. the whole thing is quite unfair but me personally if I just look at Chickaboo and what's happening, I'm very happy and um, I've had a really successful year. I'm really grateful and excited about the future and what EQ50 mentorship scheme. I've never been so excited for anything in my life. I can't wait. Bring it on. Bring on 21 is what I say. Come on. <laughs> Wicked. So how do you from your perspective, you've been quite happy this year. You've been busy, successful. How do you see it in relation to the drum and bass scene in general and how, I guess, the scene has reacted to everything, particularly the global civil rights uprising? I want to bring that in now. What's your perspective on that? At first, I was really excited by the big reset, by the sort of pause I was very optimistic that when things started again, that there would be much more equality. But sadly, the streaming parties and the sort of venues that sell food, so you're allowed to go in and sit at a table and stuff, they were all male-only lineups again. Just not that long after Black Lives Matter and an apparent you know, surge of some sort of social recognition for a lot of people to try harder you know, and be better. And it seems, unfortunately, to have just been a flash in the pan moment where people were pressured at that time and now they don't feel that same pressure. They can ignore things and go back to where we were. A lot of male DJs aren't pushing for female DJs to be on their events. I don't see them playing more female producers. I don't see more black women being included. Um, but at the same time, everything's shut. So how really is there meant to be a big progressive change when there's nowhere to go? I don't know. I think it's quite easy, though, to make quick decisions, especially now a lot of people are streaming, um, doing live streams from their homes. I think it is easy to have a look at what you've done beforehand and make those changes. It's not like you're paying people. I mean, the majority of the streams that have happened are unpaid as well. Yeah. I guess people are being paid for the socially distanced sit-down events when they've happened. But um, yeah, for me, I don't know, I've become pretty cynical about it all. I mean, it, it felt quite hard at the time. And I guess that there was a flash of optimism, but things are too, have gone too quiet for me on social media. I'm not seeing anybody really talk about anything like that at the moment. And they haven't been I don't know. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Hopefully I'm completely wrong. And people are kind of stepping back and thinking about what they're doing and making plans for next year. And the thing is also, I think that's also has to be or always have to be seen as a process. Of course, it's clear that it won't change from one day of the other, but I can only tell from my perspective I saw or heard so many new stuff like in, in, in every kind of diversity uh, regarding uh, women or also, of course, black women and drum and bass. And this is already a point. Maybe 
I know it's hard to recognize this, this, but it needs time. And even if you're completely right, maybe it needs a bit more time to really establish what it is or what we want. I'm not sure that's happening, but what I do know is that there's like queer rave and Nathan X, so there's a bit more sort of alternative angles to our scene that because it's shut down, they're able to sort of come more to the forefront of what's happening and actually exist in this drum and bass world that we've created where before they were shut out. So there's one positive thing in our scene for me that's happened from, you know, all the boys basically not allowed to come out and control everything as much as they do. A more queer sort of angle I've noticed is sprouting up. Well, it is in the UK anyway, of black queer drum and bass fans. You know, it's not just me anymore. There's like more of us, come on. That's what I'm really happy about in the scene, but... I don't know how it's going to work when the world opens back up again. Are these things going to just go back to being ignored or are people still going to go to their events and support what they're doing? Mm. Would anyone read? I was just going to say that I've noticed in the past year, just in the in my job, in the stuff that we work on, we work through a lot of boiler room mixes and there were so many new series that we got in like club quarantine and a bunch of these branded boiler room events with a lot of women, people of color, queer friendly events that were just representing so many new faces and new, new sounds. And like so many in, in the work that we do in Apple, I would say it's about 40% female artists of the mixes that we work on. So I, I think that's amazing to see that. Like I, maybe we're not seeing it yet across everything, but definitely noticing there's a lot more attention coming to previously marginalized people, which definitely makes me happy to see that. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, Reed, but I think also that's electronic music. So it's not specific kind of to drum and bass. I think, um, Vila, what you were saying is, of course, everything needs time. But what we're using to measure things at the moment are streams or the platforms like radio shows. And when people put out these kind of big drastic statements about how, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement kind of exposed our scene for not nearly doing enough for years and all these heartfelt kind of confessions almost about we're going to do better. And then when you do see streams or radio shows where suddenly you're like, hang on a minute, like now is, now is the time. Like what, what are we waiting for? You know, I do think next year when the clubs open up, we as EQ50 have to hold people accountable, you know, and we have to think about how we're going to do that. Hopefully we won't have to do that. You never know, but that's obviously going to be, you know, the real test um, but I do think that, you know, kind of saying what, from following on from what Boo was saying, there's, there's been a lot of social distance sit down raves where it's been all men and still kind of 80% white men, you know, and we need to do better. Why well, don't know what we're waiting for. You know, surely we need to use the energy of what ha happened this summer of how devastating it was this summer and use that to make change now. I don't think we need to be waiting. I don't think it's that difficult. It's <laughs> don't be racist, <laughs> don't be sexist, be inclusive. Like it's not that hard. I, I just don't think it's that hard. Mm. Were you gonna say something, Boo? Oh, I'm just nodding my approval. Like I totally agree with what Mantra is saying. 
What I find is just if I direct message people and ask them about their lineups, where are the black people or where are the women, I find the wave of defence that I get hit with is um, it's a lot to take. And especially after what happened this summer and everything like that, I find it quite hard to deal with people's defensiveness when they are so wrong. That's been a bit difficult for me, actually, um, dealing with that or being attacked just simply for asking a question, where are the women or where are the black women, you know? Uh, what about any gay people? Um, so people do come on the attack, I find, in our drum and bass scene. It is quite difficult to get past that initial door of defence and then have, um, you know, an open discussion with them. We need more open-minded people and, sadly... I'm really struggling to find those people in this scene, especially the people that actually can make a difference. They seem to just, um, just did it for a couple of months, said all the right things like Indy saying, you know, they just said some stuff, had a knee jerk reaction, but actually practically there isn't really much happening now, you know, there's certain labels that are still putting on events with just a token woman, you know. Just listen. Listen to yeah. women and listen to black women and listen to black people. And if they are saying something, even if you think, mm, I'm not sure if it's quite like that. I mean, I was guilty when, you know, I have a black partner. And in the early days when David would tell me things about, you know, being asked for drugs all the time or certain looks, I'd, you know, even me, I'd be like, are you sure? Is that really the case? It's like, just mm -mm, be quiet and just listen and like trust people and their experiences because they know what they're talking about, you know? Mm. But you know, again, it, it is it's a very strange time and none of the clubs are open yet. So I still am holding on to a little bit of hope. You know, I, I, stu I, I still do feel that, well, let's see, let's see what happens in the next few months. The clubs are starting to book from April onwards, which is crazy because none of the clubs are going to be open, but they're starting to make bookings from April onwards anyway. So let's see how the next kind of few months pan out. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ali Kat. This is probably a good moment to bring you in, um, talking about promoters booking events from April onwards. What has been your experience over the last couple of months, I guess? I mean, obviously, we all know that there have been hardly any events for most of the year. What's your take on all this? We're hanging in there. We're hanging in there, ESP. But we're on a skeleton. It's just the two directors. I'm basically furloughed. I check email like once a day just to make sure I'm not missing anything. But I, if this goes on for another six months, like I don't know what's gonna happen. Like I was feeling pretty like optimistic like the last few weeks because of the vaccine and like all this stuff. And then with all the tier four stuff and the this new strain and everything, I just kind of lost it a little bit again, like last night and today, I just felt really deflated again because I felt like it's happening, you know, things are progressing finally we're gonna be up and running by spring, and if not spring, summer, and now I'm like, I have no idea what's gonna happen at this point. But I mean, having said that, you know, in the summertime, we did have a few sort of like these sit down events we talked about like in Brixton, and we had a few people booked abroad. It was kind of weird, like I was quite scared for everybody like traveling at that time, but everything sort of did work out. But it was like literally a handful of gigs, whereas like normally, in the summertime for us, we would have 30 bookings per week. You know, like we're pretty solid all year long, but obviously in like Jan January, February, it's really slow. And then you build up to summer and then you have your festival shows and you 
power through and it's totally nuts. And obviously that didn't happen, but these little like gigs here and there, obviously that was great because it helped us out a little bit. I had to let my assistant go like straight away. And one of our agents, other agents, he's not working for us at the moment and we were hoping he can come back, but it's been absolutely nuts. Like, but um, I mean, obviously there are positives to having some time off and all that. But when you have this like existential doom kind of hanging over you, it's a little bit, honestly, like not a lot is happening at the moment. So in terms of like diversity and lineups at the moment, like, I'm not really doing anything like my partner Mark is talking to people and I think people are trying to plan for for summer or maybe autumn it's just very very quiet at the moment so it's hard for me to sort of comment on how lineups are going to be shaped when nobody's really doing anything except for maybe a few people but obviously it's got to change like it can't be like it was before I hope like obviously this has given me a lot of pause for thought I've had so much time to think about everything probably too much, but um, if people haven't learned the lessons through all this, what is the point? Like, cause we've all had loads of time to think and, and uh, figure out like how life's gonna be moving forward both personally and obviously in the business. And like, I just feel like it has to change and EQ50 is gonna like try our bit, but like if people don't have an awareness at this point, we're in big trouble. Like that's kind of my view on it. But yeah, it's very quiet. People keep rescheduling stuff and then it just rolls over and over and over again. You know, some stuff probably just isn't going to get rescheduled. It's just going to be canceled and we'll see if new promoters crop up in the future. But like Lou said with Nathan X and these other promoters, like I, I love what Nathan X does. I think it's really cool. And I don't remember anyone doing that in recent years. So I think it's awesome. But um, I think there's going to be a, a position for, for newer promoters to slide in and like kind of try their thing and have a hand at it. Boo. May I ask, um, what do you think, Alicia, how much powers of persuasion do agents actually have with promoters and especially with newer promoters coming that would actually listen to you as agents and maybe think about their diversity that way. Do you think you have powers of persuasion when it comes to booking artists? I think so. And I think also with just, just going back to like promoters we've previously worked with, I think there's, there's an awareness there for sure. With newer people, it's kind of hard to say because you don't know them and you don't have a relationship with them. Whereas like someone like, say, for example, Lee from Alchemy, he just did probably the last party we're going to see for a while and I regret not going. There's a discussion there, but he's very, you know, he's aware and he's, I think his lineups have been pretty, pretty cool. But then there's other people that just come in there like, this is what I want and that's it. And they, they won't listen. It just depends. It's just like a relationship with any person like you have some listen to you and some don't, you know what I mean? Part of being good at being an agent is having relationships with people and having those contacts and having that sort of those years and years, if not decades of knowledge of, of lineups and, and the artists that you work with and all that stuff. So hopefully people respect you and will like take on board what you have to say. Sweet pea. I'm quite sort of maybe a bit proud and hopeful maybe optimistic for the younger lot that are getting into this and I mean you're sort of 
25, 24s and under or the new school kids because I feel like they kind of get it when it comes to inclusion and diversity and there's definitely people advocating for it. I mean, we talk about things like you are kind of a product of your environment and stuff. And I feel like the younger ones coming through now, you can be any gender, you can be any sexuality, you can be any colour because it's always been around you. I think especially in cities as well. There's some really good stuff happening from like young promoter wise, like Full Spectrum Bristol and the people that run, I think it's Lakota as well. So they basically have a 50-50, it's in their rules sort of of running what they're doing, that they have 50-50 lineups and welcome all kinds of people, you know, different sexualities as well. So I'm hopeful of the younger lot coming through, but unfortunately, the scene is gatekept by a lot of older heads. Do you know what I mean? And obviously that's where the history is and, you know, a lot of the respect of the scene. You know, it's one of those things that has to come from the top down. But luckily what's bubbling at the bottom with the new ones is quite exciting. And I look forward to how the sort of younger lot progress as well. Yeah, I think it's actually, I'll come to you in a sec, Reed. I think it's actually getting to the point where they can't ignore it anymore. You talk about the younger ones coming through and pushing pushing forward and just doing their own thing, creating their own little pockets of scenes and becoming so popular that the older heads, I mean, I'm blatantly classed as one of the older heads, but the people that have been doing it longer than me, like the originals, I think if they continue ignoring what's going on, they're just going to end up making themselves look silly because there are a lot of interesting artists coming through and um, yeah, it, it needs to open up a bit more, most definitely. Read. Just to echo what you guys are saying, I've just noticed, at least in the past year especially, so many more female producers getting signed to established labels and really seeing their releases getting pushed through and more and more women showing up in these places that used to only have men in them. Like you're saying, it's it's a younger generation. And I think when things open up, we're going to start to see a lot of these women like on the lineups everywhere because they really are. Like that was the measure you had to have. Everyone used to say, oh, the women aren't producing, aren't producing enough. Well, now we're doing it. So, you know, if people continue to ignore, then it's a lot easier to call them. But like you said, it's an older generation. We all are going to die off at some point and the younger generation is they're raised on inclusivity and they're raised in a different the older mindset is much more closed off the younger mindset is way more open-minded and open to it being different so i have a lot of hope for the future mm, definitely philo yeah the good thing is also that the younger generation is also way more political. So yeah, as you already said, way mind open and also political. And that's a good point to start with and to have this mind setting to maybe see it yeah, earlier or all the, all the, the, the difficulties we have also the political difficulties and in every, every situation. So I think this is also a very good point or a very good thing that we are, if I can say we, uh, are way more political than the old white generation. I wonder also if like obviously the hunters at the shows are going to be younger and if they're more aware and they're more switched on like say my daughter she's 19 and she's just totally 
aware of what's going on in the world and stuff. And if these kids are the, the ones that are going to be buying the tickets to the show, then I think they're also going to have a voice and they're going to demand. They don't want to just see some really bland white dude lineup. You know, I think they're going to also have a, have their opinions and they're going to say, this is what we want, you know, and hopefully that will help. But obviously that doesn't mean that the older generation can be complacent by any means, you know, but we need to kind of look at them and let them be our guides maybe a little bit, but you know, yeah, it just can't go on like it has. So either it's either people are going to change and they're going to get on board with it or, or it's going to collapse, you know, and I mean, it could collapse anyway because of what we're dealing with, with the pandemic, but hopefully it doesn't you know, and hopefully people hang in there and, and it's going to be better when we come out the other side of this. Mm. Part of me thinks that a lot of it needs to collapse or continue collapsing just so that there can be more of a reset and we can get some newer people kind of being given the space and time to make the necessary changes because Mm. yeah, from my position, I just see a lot of people kind of find their hardest to hold on to what has gone before and they'll just continue doing what has gone before yeah um i'll bring in you next mantra obviously we launched the first ever are you going boo i have to go i'm so sorry to bail out but i didn't want to not be here and see you lovely people and uh, be a part of it i wish you all the best seasoned greetings all the love all the luck all the restful night's sleep, all the soft neck, the nice strong backs. I wish you the best (laughs) bras. I wish you all the nicest feeling of everything. May your things never be twisted. (laughs) Thank you, I do, I love love you all, honestly. And um, I'm really looking forward to like what we're gonna do. And I do think we should just wash all the old that old business, that old way of love. I think we need to cleanse it. We need to flood whatever it takes, whether we've got to reveal secrets about people they don't want revealing, whether we've got to set, like just wash them away and let's begin again. That's what (laughs) EQ50 is going to do basically. Well, yeah, that's what I think. (laughs) I think a lot more, but I think for this conversation, (laughs) much love to you all and um, see you soon. Take care, darling. Uh, yeah, Mantra. So obviously we launched the first ever multi-mentorship, uh, working with five drum and bass labels. We all worked really, really hard. And it was kind of, um, well, I'll let you talk about it a little bit first. But yeah, I guess we kind of took advantage a little bit of the situation. So with people being locked down, people having more time on their hands. Do you want to take it from there? Yeah, I mean, we've been planning it for probably a year and a half we'd had the first conversation where we were talking about it so the idea of a mentorship came a long long time before like COVID or anything like that and it was just it all felt a bit too overwhelming and we kind of weren't sure how it would be received and there's always things that come in your way that put you off doing something that feels big and scary um but, you know, I think all having each other as a collective was is very powerful. You don't feel like you're in it on your own. And after months and months, we were just like, fuck it, we've just got to do it. This is the way that we think we're going to make meaningful change. Have to give a shout out to Alison as well, who is a really great guide for us. She's a lady who 
has been giving us advice throughout the way she throughout the whole kind of process she works to do with like gender equality um, for the UN and the mentorship it was about when do we launch it and I was actually thinking now isn't the right time to do it and I think it was you Natalie that was like no people aren't kind of doing anything now and in my mind I was like yeah but if people aren't doing anything how are we going to make it work and you're like yeah but people aren't doing anything so now's the time that they actually can stop and reassess their organization and have a few more resources to be able to put into this and make it really good and you're right it was the right time to do it I think also it's funny you know I think you ask us this time last year it would be so easy for people to dismiss the mentorship but off the back of the Black Lives Matter movement meant suddenly you can't ignore these conversations and people have been having these conversations for a long, long, long time. It's not like suddenly George Floyd gets murdered and, and suddenly everyone's talking about it. It's, this conversation has been happening for years, but people have been choosing not to listen to them. Mm. So, you know, after June, it was like everyone's talking about it, making these statements. And it was like, okay, well, everyone's suddenly like hands up in the air and diversity is really important. So you have backed yourself in a corner. There's nowhere for you to go now. You have to admit that we're right. <laughs> we are right. There is a problem. <laughs> and we told you so. Um, so the, the timing just felt good. And the, the, the five labels that we hit up um, straight away got back and were completely on board with it, which was brilliant. So Ram Records, um, V Recordings, Function, um, Shogun, and Critical. We kind of wanted to have a nice variety of different sounds. And we went for it and incredible the amount of applications we got. You know, I, I felt so, oh, I don't know what the word is. I don't know if it's naive or, or what it is. You know, I like to think I have my kind of finger on the pulse on some level, but the quality of music we were getting from women. And I was like, how do I not know about these women? They are so good. The levels are so sick. Like, you know, I, I guess where have you know, but a lot of the the a reoccurring thing that would come up time and time again was we just don't really pass our music on to people, and they're there smashing it, killing it, but their music isn't out there, and that is one of the things that we're there to kind of help them with. That's what the mentorship is all about. It's about advice and guidance and looking at this mentorship in a kind of two tier way, which is you know personal and professional, and what you need to really elevate yourself in this career and there's the technical side of things and that's what the record label is going to help with. And then there's the kind of being a woman in a real male dominated scene, which is where EQ50 comes in, you know, to do with confidence and networking and even just things negotiating as well as, you know, fees. And none of these women are are with agencies yet and give it a bit of time. So, yeah, so we launched it and, and actually pretty soon after we launched it or when we were starting to shortlist around that time, I can't remember, I gave birth like three months early. So it was a really difficult, traumatic time in my life. So I was in hospital with um, my little baby and it was, I don't know, it also really just made me think EQ50 is, we've only been going kind of two years, I think, but it's been such a huge part of my life. And to be able to go, I'm out girls like I can't be part of this at the moment I just completely fucked and to know that it was in such safe hands and to know that 
the way that we kind of worked together meant that there was never any doubt that the right women were going to get chosen, that everything was still going to, you know, be done in a really amazing professional way like it was. And that's what's really great about kind of having each other. So I wasn't involved in the shortlisting or anything like that. I can't even remember the last few months, honestly. It's been so crazy. And he doesn't sleep, so I'm just no like, <laughs> all a bit hazy. Um, you know, we've, we've got these six women now because Ram wanted to take two. And it's great. We've only just started, you know, but um, there's a lot of, I, I feel, motivation from the record labels as well. They're really excited to be able to, to I think, also have our, our guidance throughout this. I, I think they've been are really up for it but weren't quite sure how to go about it and the right way to go about it they're all owned by men of course that the labels are so to have us there to be like well we're women we know the industry we're here to kind of all work together in this kind of like three-dimensional way means that it's it's quite powerful yeah it's definitely been a whirlwind i did want to bring that up as well like obviously you gave birth this year you brought another human being into the world i'm sorry baby how how does that make you feel do you feel nervous or worried about the kind of future that he and your other sons are going to have or is the override in feeling love and family yeah it's all of that but the the one thing that I've had to really learn, I hope it doesn't sound too new new agey, that but as a as a the only coping mechanism that I've really had is to be present. And the worst of times, that's literally like I have two feet on the floor and I'm having to tell myself this. Put one foot in front of the other, you know? Um sorry. <laughs> it's it's been it's been really, really hard. But he's he's smashing it, you know. I just didn't, um, I think it was a lot of shock as well that I just didn't expect him to come so soon. We were having a bloody picnic the day before <laughs> in the park. <laughs> talking about it. And then it was like, he was here. But all of that, and it, also the, the one thing that this pandemic has meant is that I have David. David's here. And I, I would not be able to do this if he was out working all the time. I, I just couldn't do it. And so, I mean, I'm sure you could somehow, but I cannot imagine how I would have coped with that. So that's one thing that has actually been, you know, a positive out of this terrible pandemic is having him around to really help out. There's the whole thing of worrying about children's futures, you know, but I have three black sons as well. And then I think about, the, you know, the education system and just how there's so many things when I think about the future that are just so terrifying and all-encompassing that I have to go, no, forget that. We're here now. They're doing really well. They're smashing it. All you can do, like, as a mother is be on the ball. When I'm ready, once I've got a bit more kind of energy in me, I want to go for that role as governors to my son's racist school. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, and then you just think, well, family is everything and we've got each other and we've got a roof over our head and we've got food and we've got a little garden and we've got so much that people don't have you know and to really try and break it down I'm making the kids say what do you really you know say something that you really love today and it's normally oh playing on the playstation was the best thing all day but like whatever what do we have that's important and that really is breaking it down to the bare bones of family. Um, and I just try not to think too much about the future because I think there's so much, all, all of us are feeling it, whether you're a mother or not, it just, 
because the future feels so unknown, there's so much anxiety around that. And I just don't think it's helpful. You just get into this locked in kind of cycle. So just trying to really be present and to really try and think about the here and now is the way that I've kind of been managing this year. Sorry about that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I didn't mean to cry. <laughs> I've cried a lot this year, like more than any time I can remember. It's been really hard at points. Been living alone for quite a while. From March, I started working from home and just going from traveling to work and being around friends and colleagues in the office to nothing. So living alone and working from home alone. The effects of the pandemic on everybody and then the global civil rights uprising, seeing that blow up everywhere and then working on the Windrush project, which is obviously really close to home. Windrush scandal is still ongoing. My dad could have been caught up in that. I interviewed him for my project, my podcast, which was quite illuminating because he told me things that he's never told us before, like the police trying to fit him up for a murder charge years ago when he was working and stuff like that. Just to big that up, it is incredible. You can uh, check it out on Spotify. It's like the wind rush generation. It, it is. It, is, it was uh, not that I listened to Spotify much, but it was my most listened to podcast or whatever those stats that come up and say. Um, it, it, it really is phenomenal. I think there's like 12 episodes that Natalie did that are just really mind blowing, like really beautiful, beautiful radio. It was incredible, Natalie. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of the job that I did. And as Boo was saying, I have achieved and worked on a lot this year, a lot of positive things and interesting things as well. I think it's probably been one of the most interesting years that I've had regarding day job work and music stuff. Um, just some of the other things that I've done, like I was commissioned to record a mix in response to a visual artist and dancer's short film called Fidem 3, which is kind of themed around the Windrush as well, Windrush Generation and Descendants. And um, yeah, she produced a short film and it was screened at the Berwick Film and Media Arts Festival. So that was really interesting. And the highs and lows have been really jagged, like real highs, feeling like work that I'm doing at the moment can't get much better than this, but then coming crashing down. It's really been a strange year, obviously for everybody. But as I said at the start, like I'm, I'm happy that I made it through. Actually, one of the best thing, one of the other best things that I did this year was start therapy. And I think going into next year, a lot of people are really going to be feeling the effects of lockdown and just being away from family and friends for too long. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried about. I mean, the UK's um, NHS mental health services are pretty much non-existent anyway, and I can't see them getting better anytime soon. But yeah, I'm hoping that there'll be more cheaper therapy options available to people. I mean, that's that's how I got it, was through that. Was it the Beatport grant you sent me the link for, Indy? It was AIM. AIM, sorry, yeah, an AIM yeah. grant. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have done it now. But yeah, starting therapy, like, when was it? Just like, yeah, late summer, I think. It's been a crazy 2020. <laughs> really crazy. Do you have to pay for therapy in UK? Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. So, so with this AIM grant, it was like a reduced amount. So I got like 10 or 12 sessions at a reduced amount. If you approach the NHS, if you're in quite a bad way, they will refer you. But you'll only get a maximum of like 12 sessions, I 
think. And sorry, the waiting list is about six to nine months with the NHS. I mean, for our psychology department for paediatrics, it's a six month yeah. waiting list. So yeah, I don't know what adults is. I think it's about nine for adults. Oh my God. And in the United States, it's about $250 an hour and nobody is covered by nothing. That's horrible. Not even realistic for most people. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It is quite an expense, even here. There is this website that's called freepsychotherapynetwork.com. Okay. This is the one that my, my mate has told me about. And um, they're basically, a lot of the time, I mean, they might be completely overwhelmed at the moment, but like retired therapists and therapists that just feel like it's their duty to give a little bit back, mm. um, where you can get some free sessions. That's freepsychotherapynetwork.com that could be worth checking out. Thank you. Yeah, it is, it is quite an expense for, for a lot of people. I was really grateful for the reduced rate, the link via AIM. But yeah, it's definitely helped. I definitely needed something like that. I've been feeling like I've been busier than ever this year, just constant. There's been something going on all the time and there were even moments, especially after you'd had River Indy, where I was thinking, I can't actually deal with EQ50 either. It was just all feeling really way too overwhelming. But we made it through, we're a good crew. Let's look ahead to the future then. So what are your aspirations for 2021? Are you planning far ahead or are you just kind of seeing how things go for now? I'll start with you, Reed. You look a bit shocked. <laughs> you know, 2021 is like I had planned. It's my 25th year and I was planning to do like a 25 years retrospective tour. And I had such great hopes and now I just have no plans. I'm like, I don't know. I'm already starting to get offers for like when they think it's going to be safe. And I'm like, y'all are tripping. It's not going to be safe by then. <laughs> this country like bungled everything. We'll be lucky if by next fall we have events again. But even throughout this whole thing, people have been trying to book me. I'm like, what's wrong with you? I'm not going to go play your play grave. Like what the hell is wrong with you people? This is why we can't, Ugh. Well, I don't know. What to, I don't even know what to think. I'm just, I'm actually still trying to find a way like to, to maybe do this. Like if they do start to have like reduced capacity, like outdoor seated kind of things, maybe like next summer we could do it. I don't know. It's messed up out here. It's so different. You guys are so much luckier that people really did. Uh, I don't know. You're, it's going to be done over there sooner. Mm, I, don't, I don't know. It's been a complete mess here as well. We can't trust anything our current government says and have never been able to trust them. But yeah, I did play one, one seated, sit down, socially distanced event and I felt uncomfortable the whole time. I didn't even get there till late. Like I got there half an hour before I played. I was playing the last set. And I just felt uncomfortable. Did you feel uncomfortable, like in terms of like the vibe was weird or just about like COVID or? A bit of both. I mean, it was strange walking in, seeing everybody sitting down for a start. Yeah. And I was like, oh God, am I really going to be able to get into this? But I guess because it was nearer the end of the event, people were kind of warmed up by then. And it was actually a really good vibe. Yeah, I just felt uncomfortable because it felt like there were too many people too close to me, even though people were sitting down at separate tables, but it felt like the tables were a bit too close together. Um, people were kind of wandering around as well, going to the toilets and whatever, and I was just like, oh, I don't like this. I just didn't feel right. 
It's not the event itself. It's yeah. the drinking. When people start drinking, they get all loosey goosey <laughs> and then they're like trying to give you a hug. And that's the part that makes it uncomfortable. If everyone just didn't drink and we just had sober raves, I don't, I think we could do it. If they're going to open gyms here, the gyms are open. You can go to the fucking gym and exercise <laughs> with people. Sweat. But it doesn't make any sense heavy breathing it's like not the problem if you're wearing a mask and nobody's drinking i think mm. it would be fine yeah philo are you planning for anything for next year or yeah we're planning a lot so as i co-founded a label um and a new crew this or last year uh we already had a lot of releases and are planning to release um, a lot of new stuff and also looking forward for the summer to make open air stuffs. I already had my whole June is already full with every weekend is full with a festival request. So really, I don't know. Wow. I don't know if it's gonna happen, but. If it's like small events, like, I don't know, maybe 100 to 500 people outdoor, if the vaccine is going to be possible for everyone and so on, I think it could be possible to do it. But that's my only hope, like the open air stuffs. I have like some friends working in clubs and so on that they say they they don't think reopen before 2021 or uh, 22. So all my hope is going for the open air stuffs. Are they going to last till then, then, the clubs? Are they quite confident that they'll be able to stay afloat until 2022? It depends. So we had like, it, it also depends uh, where you live in which re region in Germany, but some people, clubs, institutions and so on got money. So I think this worked way better than in the UK. Of course, we had a lot of problems with uh, single artists and so on, but I think the clubs are now safer than we, we thought they would be a month ago. So I hope. <laughs> they're gonna be good and can reopen yeah but, oh but we also had like a few clubs in cologne for example uh, who had to close right alika in terms of like yeah myself as an artist and as a person in the world i mean it's been kind of cool to like think about like maybe finally finishing some tunes and like doing some stuff that's been sitting there for like 10 years or eight, eight years and maybe trying to get some music out and I had, um, not for myself, but from these guys, Kinesia, I had a release on my record label in November, which was kind of cool. And I hadn't actually put anything out in two years because I just didn't have time or the headspace to do it. I've been working towards starting like a side gig doing Pilates. So I've been working on that. But again, with a pandemic, being a Pilates teacher, that wasn't really how I imagined creating this business and stuff. And I'm doing some stuff on Zoom. like. A little bit but I honestly have no idea like if they could say that this is gonna stop and we'll have events well April would be amazing or even in summer then I'd be like okay I can hang tight and like hunker down for six more months and then we'll start moving again but I, again I have no idea so I don't know I mean I could like get a job in a month or something I, I honestly don't know and, until we get like more information about the vaccine and stuff but yeah, I mean, it's kind of cool to at least have a little bit of headspace to like think about creating music or finishing some tunes. So I'd love to just get something out there because I haven't put anything out in years. So that would be amazing. 
just did a video mix for someone and I learned all about how to do that. That was interesting. So I've got that skill now. So, you know, maybe I can do a little bit more of that as well. Sweetly, what about yourself personally, generally as well for like drum and bass? If I'm honest, I think we're going to have a repeat of this year, next year. And I think looking at it sensibly, events aren't going to be up and running properly till 2022, which we're all kind of in agreement about that. Obviously the socially distanced sit down stuff. I don't know, maybe that might be loosened a little bit and maybe like outdoor dancing next to each other stuff could be a thing they'd get rid of the tables but yeah next year I've got my first solo EP coming out with Spearhead which I'm really really excited about thank you um it's quite funny sort of mentoring some of these women in EQ50 and I tell them I'll get yourself out there you've got to send your music to people I don't even follow my own advice you know so <laughs> sort of had a bit of a had a bit of a you know check yourself thing this year and with the EP that's coming out I've got a track with Chickaboo which is really cool we said from when we first met and became friends properly we were going to work together and it's come together really well been chatting to Steve a bit more there's going to be a follow-up as well so I've got a follow-up single that will be happening so yeah I think for me just work personal life and music basically is gonna it's gonna try and be my vibe just echoing what Mantra was saying as well I think you know, I always try and live very much in the moment and in the present because, you know, you can't change the past and we don't know what's coming in the future. But all we've, all we've, got, all we've, all we've got is now and what's going on right this second. So I always try and look, look for positives and stuff like that. So I will be shining my bright penis to everybody next year. <laughs> <laughs> Shine on. <laughs> Yeah, no, just good vibe, surrounding myself with good people, you know, give the energy that you want to get back and so you surround yourself with those kind of people and break the drum and bass scene, that's it, I'm coming. This is your 2020 warning. <laughs> yeah, just get loads of tunes out and then by the time events do come, everyone's going to want to book me. Fuck it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of rupture and events, we're not planning anything. Um, I can't do the sit-down things, I don't think. We were thinking about it, but I think I'd just rather wait. Um, I'm trying to get out of this mentality that you have to keep up with whatever it is you're trying to keep up with in this bloody hamster wheel. Do you know what I mean? It's like actually, no, it's fine. There's, there's nothing going on. Like, stop. There's no race. There's nothing to keep up with. It's about looking how you do things and making sure you do them proper. All I know is that as soon as the clubs are open, I said to Corsica, please let us be the first rave. Like, just let us, as soon as you're ready, we're ready. We only need a day's notice and we can make it work. Um, Three days, maybe, yeah? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Rupture weekender. <laughs> We've got something that we're planning that, you know, it won't happen next year, it'll happen the year after. But I think I'm trying to really as well, for so long, I've always looked outwards for like validation. And you have this idea that these other institutions going on in the kind of music industry are somehow just bigger and better and know more. And I'm starting to really try and be like, let's put everything into rupture. And we've always been DIY and to really just reinforce that and create our own platforms in every possible way that we can. So we're not having to rely on anyone. and things that we want to do if we're not kind of seeing it done the way that we want it 
it to be done than to try and create it ourselves. I'm sounding all a bit obscure because I, I don't want to say anything yet until we're further down the line in, in terms of our planning. But the label's still going to go ahead. And, you know, I've got three little ones, so I'm busy. <laughs> I'm very, very busy um, with my kids. And and then there's EQ50. We're, 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 there's a lot of people coming to us for collaborations and stuff. And it's just about also thinking where are we all at in terms of EQ50 and our mental health and our schedules and what we have going on and trying to make sure that we pick the right collaborations so that it's done properly. So um, hopefully we'll be doing some cool stuff next year with some people and hopefully maybe even expanding the mentorship when we're ready, once we really feel like we've got this off the ground, then we'll be ready to expand it. Mm. Yeah. What about you, Natalie? Um, I don't know. I'd like to see some more positive movement towards changing the scene for the better, opening it up a bit for people to come in. Yeah, I'd like to see the scene progress in a more positive way. Um, there's been some really great music out this year. I hope that continues into next year. And I'm going to focus a bit more on me and my own projects and platforms so I might bring my podcast back next year I'm thinking about it anyway rather than just doing guest mixes for other people which I've been doing for this year and like a lot of last year as well um just concentrate on my own platforms a bit I think there's other things I want to do kind of podcasty related as well something that me and Mantra spoke about maybe a couple of years ago <laughs> I don't know over a year ago <laughs> which hasn't happened yet yeah and continue with eq50 see where we can go with that i have to say you're right the music this year has been total escapism for me you know when we have our rinse fm shows and i'm like oh i don't know i'm i don't know if i can record it oh and but as soon as you just plug and play it's just like all consuming and you can just forget about the monotony of motherhood and the stresses of COVID and everything and just lock into the music. And it really has been a total savior. And the producers that have managed, so loads of producers have had the time now to make beats and loads of producers haven't have just found it too difficult because of life shit going on. Um, but I'm so thankful for the music because it really has just been a lifeline to lock back in to you know what moves us more than anything is yeah 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 fucking jangle mate you know it's like it's just you can't beat it it's just it's so raw and it's and it's been a, a huge savior for me this year Phil. yeah definitely i'd agree with that as well and like some of the streams and mixes that i've recorded this year have been some of my most enjoyable yeah. i guess without the distract the distraction sorry of a crowd in front of you and worrying about oh they're not really dancing over there these people are all right blah 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 you can like fully get in the zone well I feel like that anyway and I've really appreciated the music that's kind of taken me to outer space that kind of vibe and I feel like I'm still on that path now and I'm going to try and take that into next year yeah there's been some great music around this year definitely some great releases it's quite interesting as well that it's happened that way like I wonder how I mean, Reed, going back to your label and releases, how far in advance were they scheduled to be released this year? Um, and some of the other projects that have come out this year, I'm like, oh, right, that kind of fits being released now. Sort I of mean, thing. we just, we have done a release a week since like 2010. Our label has existed outside. We've never had any support from any type of like agencies or booking people like 
everything that I've done has always existed outside of the realm of whatever the established framework for anything was. So nobody playing shows didn't affect us because it's sad, but our artists don't, they're all like so new that they're not really even playing shows because once they get bigger, they move on from our label, you know, they, they go to Ram or whatever. Yeah. So we just, you know, we're always booked out like three or four months in advance. We already have our whole, everything through February coming up on March right now. We just march on because it's like, we're just a platform, you know, our platform helps tons of artists get seen by Ram, by Hospital, by all these other labels, dubstep, because we do a lot of dubstep trap at Electro House. We do all like heavy bass music and then like half drum and bass. So it, I don't know. It, I think it helps people, but just got to keep doing it. I, I know it, it for things where it was dependent upon where you're going to have live shows about it, it wouldn't be a good time to do it this year because you, there's no benefit. You're releasing all this music. You're not going to get to play a bunch of shows, but just to raise people's profiles, to keep their music coming out. When you're smaller, now's the perfect time to be raising your profile so that when shows come back, everyone's like, oh, you just had a great year. You just put out a ton of releases. Mm. You're fresh. Yeah. Let's go. Cool, cool, cool. Anybody got any last comments? I'm going to wrap this up. I have a question, another yeah, bad thing. Do you already know how it's going to be with bookings and so on now after Brexit? <laughs> Yeah, we're on the brink of a no deal. Um, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> we're on the brink of yeah, like... it's too bad we don't need to talk about this. I don't know. I mean, Ali Cat would be best place to answer that. Um, from, I don't know, my passport runs out in April. I probably should have put in the application for a new one already. But for me, I'm not planning to travel anywhere just yet. Um, although, although a lot of um, a lot of my festival bookings from last year have been carried over to 2021 from this year, sorry, being carried over. So I don't know. I'm just going to wait and see. But the, uh, I think there's going to be a lot more paperwork involved, a lot more. You definitely need six months on your passport. They said this like a year ago. So I would definitely make sure you renew that just in case things pick up again. Obviously, I'm American. I've I've traveled all over Europe and I've never had a visa and I will also work with Brazilian artists that do the same. So part of me is like, I don't think it's going to be that bad if you're a DJ and you're literally have a USB and a pair of headphones these days, you can probably go in and out and it's going to be fine. If you're bands, then obviously it's not going to be. But um, having said that, Like, they honestly haven't told us anything. Like, the government here, they don't know themselves. So how can we prepare when they're not, they don't even know. They don't know if there's going to be a deal. It was supposed to be done, like, not this weekend, last weekend, right? And then it wasn't. And then they're like, oh, let's just keep talking. It's another thing of just, like, let's wait and see and, like, hope for the best. But obviously, if, if everybody has to get, like, a work permit or a visa or whatever for every country, it's going to be a pain. Or there was talk of, like, you needed so much money in your bank account. And so for the bigger artists, that would be fine. But obviously for up and coming artists, it's going to be a thing. But again, this is all like speculation and it could be fine or it could not be fine. And then also European artists that want to come here, we don't know what their restrictions are going to be either. So 
I think basically the government doesn't know anything about anything right now, from fishing rules to bringing goods in and out of the country, imports and exports, let alone like entertainment stuff. So we're just going to have to wait and see. But I, I mean, it sounds like we'll know soon. They know about spending off our money. That's what they do know. <laughs> I reckon all the big shot artists will obviously have to get working visas because they're really well known. But us lesser known people are just going to be staying at a friend's house this weekend. <laughs> I reckon there'll be a few of them. Back to the underground. That's how we always used to do it. We're just sneaking in and out because you're like... I. Who's going to pay for that? Like to come to the U.S. for a European artist, it's like a $4,000 a year for the visa right now. So already people are not paying for those things. And luckily a USB just fits in your back pocket, like a job done. (laughs) Yeah, it's much easier now. Like at least we don't have records anymore. Thank you very much for all joining me. I hope you've enjoyed this chat. Big shouts to everybody at Sun and Bass once again. You've been listening to Sun and Bass Meets EQ50 Part 2 with myself, Flight, Mantra, Sweet Pea, Alley Cat, Philo, Reed Speed, Big Up Chickaboo, who had to depart earlier. Season's greetings. I hope you all have a very relaxing, peaceful and restful break and hope to link up sooner rather than later. It's been a lot, but well done, everyone. We've survived 2020. See you all at Sun and Base 2021. Come on. We'll be on the beach next time we talk. (laughs) EQ50 takeover.